Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adewomi of Gospel Distribution Evangelical Association. Now I'm going through the Acts of the Apostles in the teaching, and we are now in chapter 13. In chapter 12 was what told, told us the story of Herod, how he arrested and killed James, and then before anybody could know about it, he already killed James by the sword, then he arrested Peter, but the Lord, the angel of the Lord took Peter out of the imprisonment and then later Herod himself was killed by when he was proud and they were hitting him and he didn't give God glory. Angel of Lord God touched him. He was meeting and he was eaten by worms. That was what chapter 12 detailed for us. Now chapter 13 is where we are going this time. And in chapter 12 I've said we woman being especially the rulers better fear God. He that ruled over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. Praise the Lord. Now we are going to chapter 13 from verse 1. And I read and then stop and give some comments. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Nige and Lysias of Cyrene and Manahin which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So with the church were these teachers. All of these five brethren were are not the only people that were there. They, they were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers. These are prophets and teachers. Some are teachers, some are prophets, some are prophets and teachers. And they listed these five people as those that were referred to as teachers in, or prophets and teachers in the midst of the congregation. Verse 2 says, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, the Bible said, They minister unto the Lord and fasted. It's, we don't think it's only just five people that were doing that. It could be the whole church was ministering to the Lord. Ministering to the Lord means you are praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord, fellowshipping. That's fellowship. Minister to the Lord, you praise and worship. Now, they said, Then this time, maybe they were just called, the Holy Ghost moved upon them to fast some days. And while they were fasting, they also prayed and ministered to the Lord. No, um, it's not just those five people. Maybe the whole church was fasting and praying, or just these five people decided to fast and pray. But as the Bible says, as they fasted and prayed, the Holy Ghost spoke to one of them and said, Say, Praise me, Barnabas, and so for the work whereunto I have called them. I have called them. Now, you have to also remember when the Holy Ghost says he has called somebody, that somebody already knew because God, when he's calling you, he makes you to know what he's calling you for. And you already know about it. You may not know when it's going to start. So these Barnabas and Saul have been called. The Lord has already revealed to their hearts through the Holy Spirit that they are going to do this. So whether they are starting right now is what they, well, they don't know. But now is pronouncing it while they were all gathered together to one of them that is a prophet that I have called them for a job. Separate them from for me. So now the that is like a call them forward, call them forward. That's what it means when you are in the conjunction. They call, call them forward and 
And then that's what happened. They called them forward. And they are going to do the work the Lord God sent to say, Separate me, Barabbas, and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Verse 6, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So that was the own part of it is Jesus pray for them and lay their hands upon them. So that they can go do whatever the Lord God has laid upon their heart to go do. Now, Barabbas and Saul already knew what the Lord wanted them to do. Whether they are about to start or when should they start, it's now what the Holy Ghost said, time for you to start. So now they lay down and say, well, what did the Lord say? We're going to go from town to town preaching. That is, they're no more just going to be in that Antioch fellowship with the brethren all the time like they have been like the church. Now, now they're going out to do, go do something. That was what the Holy Ghost already put into their heart. Now he's saying, go, it's time to go. Verse 4. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, you see, not sent forth by that church, not sent forth by those four brethren, but by the Holy Ghost. They being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seducia, from thence to sail to Cyprus. Now, where should they go first? That's now determined by them. They are now the ones that are going to be, but as they are going, the Holy Ghost say go. So they will be going, and the Holy Ghost is going with you, because the Holy Ghost is in us. The Lord is going with you because he says, follow them with signs. So they are now, you see, the Bible says, a man's heart devised his way, but God directed his steps. That's what the book of Proverbs says. A man's heart devised your way. You have to devise it. Okay, you say, okay, well, this is where you want to go, this city first. If God doesn't want you to go to that city, God will tell you right there. And I don't know that this go this other way. God will be going with you. You plan it. Say, I'll go this way. Okay. God has said, go. You go this way. And then you go that way. When, when God wants to change direction, he tell you to go, not to go, go this other way. God can interrupt you. You have to be flexible for God to interrupt you. But when he has said go, you begin to go. As your heart is desire, devising it. And that is sometimes we make that mistake. I have made that mistake many times when I said I will, when I was in, back in Africa, Nigeria, and I was preaching every day. And I decided I went today after church, after work. I go every 5 p.m. after work to go and preach in the nearest village wherever I can drive to. Maybe I already planned in my heart that, yeah, okay, there's a village off this road, branch this road, that will be the village I'm going to see, I'm going to go today. And then I will go, after church, I just go towards that village and drove through that dead road until I get to a village, whatever village, I may not know the name of the village. I just knew that there's a village on this road, and I kept driving until maybe a mile of that major road will be a village. Then I parked there and started preaching. That was what I was devising by myself. But yeah, occasionally God can interrupt that and say, well, don't go right. The next village on the left is where you should go. Then I must be very flexible. Don't say, well, Lord, I planned this other village. No, flexible that when the Holy Ghost interrupts, then I go to the whatever world he wanted me to go that day. So that is exactly what we have to be doing. So Apostle Paul and Barnabas step out. And they say, uh, John, the, John Mark followed them because he came with them and he's the, uh, Barnabas is the only one Barnabas he knew about them. So he said, I'm going with you guys. So they went to Seleucia, verse 5, saying, when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. That's John Mark that followed them. He was a young man. So he was the third person that worked with, that went with them. The third of them, there are two of them, and then John Mark the third. Now, we have to remember, John Mark was not the one sent. It was Paul and Barnabas that were sent. He just wanted to go, come along. I said, well, come along. So, coming along, whatever he could do to help, 
Let them get uh, this or get that because it's younger. You know, they're carrying this bag because when you are, they are going, they're not going for just a week. They will need some provisions, some change of clothes. So they have a bag. So the child are traveling, then they get to the city, they look. Now we say, why are they going to the synagogue of the Jews? Because they were Jews. You go to a city where you are a stranger, where are you going to sleep tonight? So they look for people of their own kind. I say, well, the Jews are having a synagogue over there, so they go to the synagogue. And other than they are going to ask somebody to stay with, or they are going to rent a inn, some place they are a inn. But at least they know where they are going to fellowship. They are going to the Jews first, where they can understand what they are talking about. Because only the Jews understood what you are talking about when you are talking about Jerusalem, Messiah. And so the Jews understood that, yeah, we were waiting for the Messiah. And then you told her the Messiah has come, his name is Jesus. The Gentiles don't know anything about those things. So if you are saying it, you better bring it from the ground root level, talking about God. If the Gentiles know about God. So they are now going to first go to the Jews where you can understand their language. And we can understand what they are talking about. So you have to see that in all their preaching, they always go to the synagogue of the Jews. Because they were Jews. Verse 6 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, verse 6 said, And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, now you, when they are going like this, you don't know how long they stay in every town they are passing by. Maybe they just go to this town and find that there is no synagogue there, and they talk to one or two five, we don't know. Or they go to a place where they find a synagogue, then maybe they are going to stay a little longer because they have people that they can relate to. So that was how they first started. So they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesu, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, who, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. So they mind this man, just like if you are preaching about you, always run into different people. I remember when I was preaching in the streets, you run into different people. Some already antagonistic of God. Some will say there is no God. But it's only when you are in the street that you will be able to run to them. Some are not believing anything about heaven or hell. Some are believing but they are not practicing. Some have their own religion. It's only when you are in the street preaching Jesus that you run into them. So that is what you will see in the moving about of Apostle Paul and Barnabas. They always run into people. Some are doing sorcery. Some are doing voodoo. I was in in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona here, when I was preaching on the, in the street, I went to a park, a public park, where there are grass and trees and people sit on the, under the trees and refer themselves. And I ran into one Indian man, Indian, not an uh, Indian from Asia, American Indian. And I started preaching to him, and he told me that he practiced uh, witchcraft. I mean, this is a man. He told me that that was his business. He practiced it. He, he, he conjured spirits. How do, I, how do I run to people like that? Because you are in the street talking. We bring supernatural things to them. They will tell you whom they are. They also tell you that they also do this thing. Then you tell them that Jesus is the only way. Also, that's what we are preaching. Jesus is the only way. But they already have their way in the spirit world, dealing with some demons. So you run to people like those are called sorceries. That's what these people also, this man that is said to be by Jesus, that was already talking with the deputy. The deputy is a, like an attorney or a prosecutor in that generation. And the name of this deputy or attorney is called Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus. They say he's a prudent man. That man also went to, must have been listening to the 
to the walls of this uh, Judaism. So he heard about this new evangelist come to town preaching about, so he wanted them to come and talk to him about God. So he invited Paul and Barnabas to come to hear the word of God. But now they met this sorcerer in his house. They are sorcerer also, they are doing their own trading. They try to sell supernatural. That's what these sorcerers do. Almost like a voodoo man. I remember when I was in Nigeria and I was in a vehicle from Lagos, driving to, from Lagos to Ijebu, the area. And one voodoo man was trying to sell his wares. What is he selling? Selling voodoo to the people in the vehicle. You run into many of the people like that, some of them, and these are called sorcerers. They are selling voodoo, and this person is selling this. And that, that bar, bar Jesus is sorcerer, they are also selling something. He came to sell it to that deputy. And if the deputy will buy, he makes some, uh, some, money, some money. Now here comes the deputy inviting these uh, preachers to come to his house, and they met this sorcerer idea, who was already becoming like friend to this, to this deputy. Because he had been, maybe he has been selling some stories, some wares to him, wanted him to buy. But the deputy was interested in supernatural, but he wanted God also. He wanted the true supernatural from God. He had these people preaching about God, he called them to come and talk to him. And they met this man that was also talking supernatural, but uh, called him, he said, he said, through another medium, another means. So now the Paul and Barnabas are talking to this deputy, this man that was a sorcerer, we opposed. Paul and Barnabas. Why? Because that's, uh, that's uh, sorcerer is talking to Satan, through satanic spirits. So that's why there will be some confrontation right here. But it said, but only man the sorcerer for so is his name by interpretation. We stood them and we stood Paul and Barnabas, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Verse 9 said, then Saul, who also is called Paul, from now on they will be referring to Saul of Tarsus as Paul. But that was how it was spelled among the Greeks, Paul, P-A-U-L, instead of Saul, S-A-U-L. So then Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety, and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? I mean, that man was perverted. Paul said something to this man, but that man tried to twist what he said. That is not what it meant. This is what it meant. Twisting it to, 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 conf, to confuse the deputy in the wrong direction. Trying to sell his, his satanic, uh, satanic uh, idea also. So Paul now faced him face to face. He didn't respect him that, oh, he's so a Jew like us. No, he's not going to respect him just because he's a Jew. Don't respect somebody just because he's from your tribe. If he's not of God, he's of the devil. Like Christ said, if you are not on our side, it's against us. <laughs> That's how the logic goes. Sometimes he says, if you are not against us, it's on our side. But this man is against them, so if he's not on their side, then also. So Paul said to this man, verse 11, Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. So the Apostle Paul just declares some punishment upon this man. And the Bible said, Immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. You couldn't see. Verse 12. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. So that sign 
of making that sorcery to be blind instantly. He said for a season. So God is merciful. God did not make that man blind permanently for the rest of, for the rest of his life. He said for a season. So maybe for days, for two weeks or three weeks, but he we suffered those darkness for a few days before God allowed him to be restored. You remember when Apostle Paul himself, Saul of Sassos, was going about going to arrest this Jew, these uh, Christians, going all the way to Damascus with all his uh, henchmen, and the Lord knocked him down. Then the Lord made him blind for just three days. See, just for three days. See, God is merciful. God is kind. God does not just make people blind. He's not God that caused the blindness or the darkness for all the people that are blind in the world or lameness. God is not the one causing that. That's Satan. But when God judges someone like that, it's just temporary, like a warning. Like you, when you have your child, you spank him. One, two, three. And then you let him go also. You don't keep fucking him until he dies also. So that is how God disciplines human beings. So you see this man, it's just for a season. But that sudden blindness convinced the deputy that this is, this is real. This is real. That's what we are trying to say. But very important that we, that are children of God, we know that sometimes there could be some chastisement, but it's not forever. It is temporary for a season so that we could fear God, and then God restore us. Verse 13. Now, I'm reading Acts of the Apostles chapter 13. Now I'm on verse 13. Now, when Paul and his company lose from Paphos, now he said Paul. He's not using Saul. Paul and his company. That's Paul, Barnabas, and John. They came from, they lose from Paphos. They came to Paga in Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now John, like I say, was a young man. And he was just following them. And after a while, he got fed up with the trip. And he decided to go back home. Well, that didn't sit well with Apostle Paul. Why? Because maybe John, being a young man, has become like a help for them. That they are leaning on, hey, we need to get uh, food. I'm so tired. Like, John, why you just go buy? They are the one preaching about. So, John, you go help us buy food and we wait here. And but now he says he's going back home. Now they have to go buy. If they are going to buy food, they have to buy it by themselves. So, Apostle Paul was not well pleased with that, the way John left them to, to go on their way and he went back to Jerusalem. He made it known the next time John wanted to go with them in the next few chapters. Verse 14, talking about Paul and Barnabas now, but when they departed from Paga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. That's another Antioch. There's Antioch there. They went to another section of the company, like another county. They found that Antioch, another name for that, another town. Same name of different town in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Now, this particular one, they went and sat down with the Jews in the synagogue as visitors. They call them evangelists, and also when visitors came from Jesus and the preachers, they could recognize that they are preachers, they have talked to the, to the leader of the synagogue. So the leader of the synagogue is going to call them to come and give exhortation. And this is what happened in this chapter, in this verse 14. Verse 15 says, after the reading of the law and the prophets, I mean, they read the books first, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. I mean, the rulers, they welcomed the visitors because they are also Jews from Jerusalem, they thought, and they are evangelists and they are preaching about, they are witnessing, exhorting people about. So they recognize that 
And they said, well, you guys come along, exhort us what you want to, what you have in mind. So then Paul was going to start and exhort them, telling them about Jesus. That they, perhaps, they have been living in the Gentile land for years. They never knew what has happened in Jerusalem. Verse 16. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you that fear God, give audience. So Paul was going to tell them what he was preaching about. The God of these people of Israel shows our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an iron arm brought, the, brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered in their manners in the wilderness. Now, why, why was the Apostle Paul presenting this, his uh, teaching starting from uh, Egypt? Now, the, the synagogue is, is, is uh, full of Mixed people. We have Jews and then some Gentiles that have accepted Judaism, that are lived, that are worshiping with the Jews in the synagogue. So he could recognize that. So he saw the Gentiles are there, the Jews were there. So most of those Jews mostly know the stories of their fathers. The Gentiles don't join them to be a member of their synagogue. They, they may not know most of the stories, or they may have heard a little bit of it. So Apostle Paul wanted to tell the background of why they were going about preaching Jesus. So that's why he started from Egypt. Now he's going to tell them how God promised that there will be a savior that will come to, to the Israelites. And so he's going to now link that and say, Jesus is that savior and he has come. And he has come and this happened to him. And he's gone up to heaven and he's coming back. He sent us to go and be preaching. So that was how he, why he started from the, and he said, the God of these people, now, which means he was actually addressing the, the Gentiles that are in the synagogue. So he was not saying, the God of our fathers, he said, the God of these people, the Jews, is trying to make the Gentiles hear that he's coming from the angle of talking to you Gentiles that are here. Maybe he saw that there are more crowd of Gentiles than there the, are the Jews. Because you can tell who is a Gentile and who is a Jew by the structure of your face. You may all look white, but say, these people have a structure that makes them know that these are Germans, also by their structure, or these are Russians by their structure, and these are British by their structure. The same way, if you know your people, you'll be able to recognize those who are not your people by their structure of their face. So you could tell that these are Gentiles here, and then these are Jews. So you could see maybe the percentage of Gentiles are more. So he was really addressing the Gentiles by saying, The God of these people of Israel. Then shows our father himself to make them know I'm also an Israel, shows our fathers. And exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an eye hammer, they brought them out of it. And about the time of 40 years, suffered their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by a lot. So he summarized the, the history of the, of the Israelites to the, to the people that listened to him in this synagogue. Verse 20. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years, until Samuel the prophet. Verse 21 says, And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. So he said, Saul also ruled for about 40 years, according to this writing. Verse 22 says, And when he had removed him, when he had removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king. To whom he also, he also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my 
will. So now he has brought them from Egypt to David in these few lines. But it is of this man's seed, that is of the seed of David, as God according to his promise raised unto Israel, a savior, Jesus. Now that's where he introduced Jesus, the savior, of the seed of David. Verse 24 says, when John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I'm not he. But behold, they are coming one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worried to lose. So that was how he summarized the teaching of John the Baptist. As he said, he is not the one, but the one after him will be the one that we, is the Messiah. I'm not even worried to lose his, his shoe of his feet. Verse 26. The men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feared God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. He called it salvation because he says he's a messiah. Salvation. He come to save. He says he's a savior. He said a savior to save us. But save us from what? He's going to explain further. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor hear the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. They condemned this savior. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate. Pilate is the title of the, of the ruler, which we call governor in Judea. They use different names. Pilate or tribute. These are, these are like titles, like say captain or, or sergeant. That's what they are using. Pilate is the name or title. Pontius is the name. Pilate is the title. Something like that. They say Pilate that he should be slain. When they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulchre. But God raised him from the dead. That was the first surprise that we make the Gentiles say, what? And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who were his witnesses unto the people. He didn't mention that when, after he resurrected, after many days he went up to heaven, it will have added that one in this story, but um, I know they follow Paul. After this story, you see in the next few verses, they follow Paul to say, we want to hear more about this. But they could have been asking questions, this Messiah, where is he right now? This, you know, you know, yeah, he went up to heaven. You will have told him that later. He said he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. Verse 32 says, we declare unto you glad tidings. How that the promise which was made unto the fathers. God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. That my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, no, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he also said, said also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine only one to see corruption. So the Apostle Paul was quoting several Bible verses, several Psalms, verses in the book of Psalms. Those are talking about the Messiah. Verse 36, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. But for 36, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that is the verse 38 is the punchline for all of those who are telling stories. So be it known unto you, men and brethren, 
that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That is the, the key point of what he was preaching. That through the Lord Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of sins. Well, everybody pray to God, God forgive me my sins before, so that you can answer my prayer. Also. The truth of Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things. From which you, you could not be justified by the Lord of Moses. Now, verse 39 there is a very important key point. Because that will be a bone of contention by the Jews that don't want to believe. Because he's telling them right now that by the Lord Jesus Christ, all that believe are justified from all things. From which ye could not be justified by the law. What does justify really mean to you or me? Justify means if you are if you have done something wrong and somebody says you are justified, means yeah, well, we don't see you guilty of that. Why? Because somebody else did it, not you. Or somebody else make you do it, we are going to let you go. So that is you are justified. You are being you are, you are declared as just. That's what I mean. You are declared as just. That is. You are the one, you are not the one that did it. That's to justify it. So you are justified from all things which the law of Moses cannot justify you. And you are declared forgiven. You are declared justified. You are declared as not guilty. That's what it means you are justified. But the law of Moses won't justify you. He said you are justified from all things. So that verse 39, some of the Jews will have opposition to it in their mind because they want to hold to Moses as Moses is the, is the thing. But Jesus Christ is the real thing. Verse 40 says, Beware therefore, lest that, that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despise us and wonder and perish. For I walk a walk in your days, a walk which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declines unto you, say, if covered putting Abacock. Chapter 1, verse 5. God is saying, I'm doing a walk in your days, which you would not believe somebody told you that it happened in the days of all. You say, Ah, it doesn't happen. It's now in your days. That is what God is doing, even in our own days. God is doing work in our days that, that, is, that may look new. Or if you have heard about it, that happened in the old days, and you think, well, this will be men of then. But God say, I'm doing the same thing in your days. Verse 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next hour. They would say, hey, please, can you come back next Sunday, Sunday? Those people that are inviting Paul and Barnabas to come and say it again next Saturday because they say, oh, I wish my, mom, my, my friend is here. Oh, I wish my husband is here to hear this. Oh, I wish uh, Brother Liz is here to, because those who are, who are not in synagogue that day, they wanted some more of their family members to come and hear this. This is new. This is great. That's why we come to synagogue. They wanted to invite more people. So they said, please come and say it again next week. Pastor 43. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. That is, they had a good convert. And some of them followed, Peter, followed Paul and Barnabas because they want to know more. But you have to remember, they will be asking questions. So, you, one of the questions that comes to mind, they will be asking, Where is this Messiah right now? Because they say he rose from the dead also. And they saw him. Oh, we saw him. They saw him go up to heaven like Elijah the prophet. They, they have heard the story of Elijah the prophet, also. That Elijah went and Shadow took him away. So if they said the Messiah went up to heaven, it wouldn't be a strange thing. They just say, wow, in our days, this thing happened in our days. And right now, if that same thing happened in your day, won't you be so, um, amazed? And that is what God says is going to happen in our day. 
is going to bring forth this rapture. We are a lot of believers, not just one person like Elijah the prophet. A band of believers, we that are alive and remain in Christ, will be caught up together with the dead resurrected. The dead in Christ will rise first in First Thessalonians. It will happen in our day. When I say in our day, it may not be in your generation, but we believe it's going to be in our generation also. That's what we are expecting. Everybody is expecting that in their generation. But it's going to come in one particular generation, whatever generation that is, that we that are alive will suddenly change. Because the Bible says we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Change from this physical body that can be dragged down by gravity to a light that will go away and gravity cannot pull them down because the Lord in the sky will call us up and our body will change to light and we go up. And the dead in Christ will rise solid into a immortal body and go up also. It will happen in this, in our, in this, in this, in our days. I say in our days, me, in this last end of the year. I believe we are in the end time. And even if it doesn't happen in your, in your, in your generation, keep looking for it because if you're in Christ, you'll be one of those to be resurrected. To go and do, meet the Christ in the air, just like we are seeing. But we believe it will come in our generation, in our day, which we have been looking for since 1970. But we are in our 2022. Maybe before 2020, 2068. Maybe before 20. And he just said that in the next week, the second week, which I believe will be 90 days after the first awake. And that's a prophecy. I'm just telling you the prophecy. 90 days after the first awake. If the first awake was 96, 90 days will be 2068. In the second awake, the saints shall stand before God. That's what the angel said in that vision to me. And the second awake, I believe he's talking about 2068 another time. He said the saints shall stand before God in the second awake. If that is standing before God means rapture, then you know it's coming in this hour, the next hour, this is our dispensation. So that's why we said, when these people see that this thing happening in their days, you see, they want to participate, they want to be part of it. You want to be part of it, you better follow Jesus Christ. So that you want to be one of those that will go and meet him in the sky and be seen, like you said, the rapture is coming. It's coming so it's coming, folks. Believe. Verse 44. We are reading Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, verse 44 says, and the next Sabbath day. Came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. That is how excited when they heard that somebody rose from the dead. This Messiah came and he rose from the dead. Even those who never was part of their Judaism wanted to hear about this. So the whole place was packed full. Now that will make the Jews to be jealous. They are jealous of this Paul and Barabbas who are now calling attention. They are now gathering attention that they couldn't gather before. Instead of supporting them, they wanted to oppose them. Verse 45 says, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. I mean, before they could ask Paul to preach, they stood up and started opposing what Paul said last week and opposing and saying that this thing didn't happen. Or this thing we had that something like, and they were blaspheming. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas walked bold and stood up and confronted them. Said, it was necessary that with the word of God should first have been spoken to you. And you would have just called you aside and tell you, but you guys are not listening. But see, ye put it from you and judge yourself and worry of your everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so as the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to of the Gentiles. A light that is open the eyes of the Gentiles to see the true God. That they, thou should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the 
the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Now, verse, that was the, the response of the Jews that didn't believe. And then the Gentiles were excited. But verse 50 said, But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul. Because the Jews have been in that city for years, so they have influence and among the chief rulers and influence among the honorable people. So they rouse up these uh, honorable women and the chief men of the city and raise persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expel them out of their coasts. Told them that these people are causing trouble. But, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. So that was uh, that was in Pisidia where they made a great uh, presentation like that. That's Paga. They, from Paga they went to Antioch in Pisidia. That was Antioch. They came from one Antioch and came to another Antioch in Pisidia where they delivered this great message that the Gentiles were excited but the Jews that didn't believe and drove them out of town. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came into onto Iconium, it's another town. Bible said when they persecute you one city, flee to another city. They keep on preaching. The Jews have gone through all the cities before the end of the World Cup. That's what Christ said. Because there are so many cities. But 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. That is the end of chapter 13. And I believe God has given us some insight here. We are going to chapter 14. In a moment, and I believe in the next next uh, next uh, recording.